This podcast is brought to you by Microsoft Teams. When there are more ways to be together, there are more ways to be a team. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze, end zone, he hit 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Great to have a, a, a guy, you hear his voice, you think college football. It could be college sports, it could be really anything. But uh, Tim Brando, uh, to me, the Keith Jackson of the modern era, in terms of the way he calls uh, games and, and his personality, uh, sometimes bigger than the game, but it needs to be. Uh, Tim, it's it's good to it's good to talk to you. Uh, how you how you holding up with with things? I was going to ask you the the state of college football at this moment. Uh, give us in a nutshell where it is because I just it really bothers me when people say ah oh, they get, they should shut it down. They should have never played. They're yeah. never going to get through the season. And I'm like, just you know, it's better to try than to just sit there and do nothing. Chris, you know, the, the reality is, uh, unlike the National Football League, college football has no commissioner. You know, there's, there's no universal leadership. And because there's no universal leadership, then I don't think that um, anyone in the media is that concerned about the bat phone ringing and someone from a higher plane saying to them, hey, you need to just dial it back a little bit. Listen, I've been involved in in, in pro sports for years. Uh, the NBA under David Stern, I was working at Turner then. And the National Football League, whether it was Pete Rozelle or, or, or now Roger Goodell, there are people that in our business, in the media business, and I'm not talking about television, only television, because we're in partnership with these, these, these entities of pro sports. But I'm talking about the, 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 the scribes that are out there, the, the written press, okay? They, they use college football and college athletics as their whipping boy on a daily basis because there's no one to defend the sport on a universal level. You have conference commissioners in different regions of the country, but at this stage for them, they've got more concerns than, than you could possibly imagine. So, if, if, if someone in the media wants to go after a sport, college is always easier. And, there, and listen, listen, there are many flaws with college football, and I talk about them ad nauseum in social media, and uh, I want to see change. I talk about change all the time to, to become more progressive, to bring the sport up to date. Uh, listen, the name, image, and likeness thing is something that's got to be addressed. There are so many issues, but to not look at what's happened in these last 11 weeks of college football going into week 12 and not uh, stand up and applaud these young men who for the most part are responsible for us being this deep into the season and the coaches and the, the trainers and the people that have fought through and adjusted and adapted to COVID is just foolish uh, to, to be this far. We, we are seeing, I think, much more so those of us that cover college sports, we are seeing the quote-unquote cancel culture invade our space in a way the NFL never has to deal with because the NFL is the NFL, okay? Yeah. It's above that. And, and if anyone comes after them, listen, we, all, we talk about uh, uh, journalism and exercising it, but you know what? There's a price with journalism too. And there's a lot less risk for anyone in the media to attack college athletics 
than professional sports and particularly the NFL. Do you, do you think that we will crown a, a champion? I know there will be people that will say maybe it's not their best way or this person got left out or how we did it. Or I guess they look at the, you look at the team. Some, some teams have played eight games. Some have played three, but are we going to uh, in 2020 have a college football champion? Yeah, we're going to get to the finish line. We are. I mean, we had 15 games uh, postponed or, or canceled last week. We got through. We had a pretty entertaining weekend, even without those 15 games. Four of them were in the best conference in America, the SEC. We even lost that magnificent matchup that we always wait for every year between LSU and Alabama. Uh, but we still had an entertaining weekend. Uh, listen, everyone that made the choice, and eventually they all did it their own way, by the way, Talk about lack of universal leadership. Right. Not one yeah. of these conference right. commissioners could, <laughs> could agree on anything about the way they were going to start and finish their seasons. But uh, when they made the commitment to play, they made a commitment to persevere and do so uh, by being vigilant and, and finding a way. And, and I think in every case, uh, whether it's the Big 12 starting early, but having a lot of dates that they knew they could – postpone their games to and still manage to get them in or in the case of the sec waiting until uh november to get started the first week of november they they have now said you know what we'll we'll move games back as far back as the 19th so we can get all the games in even though we're having our championship game that day the pac-12 and the big 10 are the most vulnerable and the reason they're most vulnerable is because they they were the ones that said we're shutting it down they were the ones that had to have the pendulum swing another way. And it was the players that forced their hand. That's the reason that those leagues are a little bit behind an eight ball playing half a season. Um, you know, the ACC and the SEC are going to get nine to 10 games in the, the big 12 is going to get 11 games in uh, for the other leagues. If we see enough in the body of work for an Oregon by playing only six games plus the championship, and they look that impressive, I, I think they have a, a a puncher's chance. But ultimately, listen, it's not ideal, nowhere close to ideal. But yeah, I think we're going to get um, you know a champion crown. Give me a based on where we are right now. You can always change this if we have you later. What, give me your fi- your four, your your final four here for the college football playoff. Well, that's the sad part. Um, okay, uh, we, we you know. <laughs> We're going to have probably the same four that we all thought back in the summer we would have. And college football's lack of inclusion, college football's inability to change. Only one sport has been slower than college football to change, and that's Major League Baseball. And they've even had major major changes lately. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but think about the changes they made because of COVID. You know, the seven-inning games, the doubleheader, all those things that were missing – just to get their their 60-plus games in, college football can, I think, learn a lot from some of the progressive moves that were made in other sports. I think that because of the lost revenue, and listen, Chris, even though we're playing, uh, the losses would have been, for all of the schools, greater than $100 million this year had they not played. There's still going to be losses between 20 to $70 million, depending upon what part of the country we're talking about and the size of, of, of these schools, okay? The only way for them to recoup their losses is through additional revenue. How do you get additional revenue? By having more inventory. 
how do you get more inventory? Especially when you have conferences that cannot agree on anything, you expand the playoff. I suspect that we'll see the playoff expanded to eight teams beginning in 2021. We'll have an additional round of those playoffs with eight teams getting in. And that's the best way to recoup some of those losses. We can't do it this year because we're just struggling to get to the finish line right now. By adding four more teams, you're extending the season. And I don't know that that's a wise thing to do, given the spike that we've seen in COVID. Let's just try to get to this conclusion. But, But we will see expansion in the future. The four teams, because the game is where it is and the flawed postseason uh, committee that's put in a position to pick only four teams with no criteria. There are no computers. There's no strength of schedule <laughs> quotient being looked into to this. You know, when the BCS was in play, Chris, and you remember this, covering yeah, it, Boise it. State Boise State had legitimate chances. Had a so shot, had legitimate yes, chances. And, you know, a field goal wide right and a Colin Kaepernick win by Nevada cost Boise State a shot at the national championship game uh, a few years ago. Boise State or Cincinnati or name that team outside the Power Five, uh, BYU, they've got no chance with this system. It is a beauty pageant only where brand names need only apply. And so we're looking at Alabama. We're looking at Clemson. We're looking at Ohio State, and we're looking at Notre Dame. There you go. And if we don't get, and if we don't get uh, one of those four, if one of those four doesn't go, it'll be either Florida because they beat Alabama in the SEC championship, um, or it'll be a, 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 a double whammy of of Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and said fourth team out of another power conference. And, and that's just wrong. That's, it's, yeah. it's limiting the scope of our, of our sport and knocking out about 50% of our, our nation's geography, which has an impact on television ratings. And, of course, ratings mean less revenue uh, from advertisers. So we've got to expand this so that teams like Oregon uh, that, that are out west still have uh, interest from other time zones besides the West Coast. Uh, you know, a team like BYU, which I think is the best team on the West Coast, for them to not have any chance at all is just horrible. That's not what college football was meant to be, and uh, we need to fix it. This whole narrative of who's in, the only thing that's being discussed about college football on a daily basis, Chris, is who's in. Well, if we're only limiting it to that, then we're talking about the same four or five teams every year. College football doesn't need to turn into the NBA where we know every year who's going to be in the Eastern and Western semifinals and, and then the finals. You know, we don't need to be doing that. We don't have the star power to do that. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. With Together Mode, you can bring everyone together in one space in the same virtual room. You can bring the power of true collaboration to your projects with whiteboard, drawing, sharing, and building ideas in real time, all on the same page. And with large gallery view, you can see more of your team all at once with up to 49 people on screen all at the same time. You can even raise your hand virtually so everyone can be seen and heard. When there are more ways to be together, there are more ways to be a team. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com slash Teams. If you're listening here on CMI, it's the Tim Reddy. You say, wow, he's the harsh critic of college football. It's because he loves it. Uh, he's passionate yeah. about it, and he, and he understands 
a lot about it and wants it to get better. And I, I said there's some encouraging news for 2021 with the I love the eight team uh, mm-hmm. concept. So you talk about the same the same basic core. Uh, what about it, it, the same kind of coaches? And I want to I want to ask you this, and it's probably a broader question. Nick Saban, of course, where he belongs. Give me give me your top five coaches. Uh, when I say all time, let's say within the last 60 years. Okay, and you can include today's coaches. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to how you, where you would put some of the Tom Osborne, Woody Hayes with the, with the Nick Sabans and, and some of the guys. That you're are, you, are you leaving me at four? You're leaving me at four. We'll huh? go five. I'll give you a top five. five. I can go five. Okay. A little okay. more action. Okay. Yeah. No, I'd rather go five. It gives us a little more room for this. <laughs> and I know you, you'll, you'll throw a six in there. If, if number five, <laughs> number five you know, it was late to the office. So that's you okay. Me, you know me too well. Yes. Um, well, look, uh, the best of, of, the, of his generation and arguably the best of uh, all time is Saban. I mean, what well, he's done. Okay. Which is uh, fascinating because we're seeing him now, and that's a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's amazing. Now, I will say this. It's a lot easier to win a national championship now than it was then. And people say, wait a minute. No, scholarship limitations. Paul Bear Bryant didn't have any. Yeah, but you know what? You had to have a lot of things break for you in political correctness to get a national title. When he was coaching, we had all these wire service polls that were determining who won national championships. We had no playoffs. Okay. Uh, And with a two team and a four team, Alabama could survive a loss here and there as they did in 2011 and still get a chance to win a national title. And they did. They won a national title in 2011 and didn't win their conference. I mean, that would have never happened in Bryant's era. Okay. But uh, I think you have to, put Bryant and Saban side by side. Okay. That's like a one A and one B. That's fair. Depending on how old you are, you can put one at A and one at B. But to me, it's all right. That's so that's two. Okay. All right. That's two guys without question. Uh, I think in the third position, it's impossible to not look at, at at the incredible job that was done by, in in my opinion, one of the all-time magnificent guys to ever coach the game is Bobby Bowden. He had a 14 year run where his team never finished lower than five in the AP poll. Now think about that. That's an incredible run. Uh, If we had had a playoff in those years, we didn't, we, you know, we had the Alliance and then we had uh, the BCS, you know, if he lost a game, you know, wide, right, wide, right, wide, right against Miami cost him probably three more national championships. He won two, but he had a run that was similar to the Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball, 14 yep. straight years of no worse than being number five in the country. Um, so I, I put Bowden in that group. I, I think he deserves like uh, to be there. Uh, the, if you ask me, give me one coach to win any single game. You got, you got one coach to win a game. Mm-hmm. Forget about the talent. Who right. do you want on your sidelines to just win you a game? with his ability to play call, with his ability to get the most out of his players. I'm sorry, I'm going Spurrier. Steve Spurrier is, I mean, he changed the entire Southeastern oh. Conference. I mean, he was he was scoring and hanging 50 and 60 on people when no one ever thought about that in the Southeastern Conference. So that gets us to four. And, and now I'm looking five. And, you know, I want to go back to yesteryear. You know, I want to find somebody – that represents college football when it was at its best, when college football was bigger than the NFL, okay? College football before 1958 and the Giants and Colts game, 
post-World War II, from 1942 to, to the Colts-Giants game at Yankee Stadium, the overtime game with Amici taking it in. Until that game was played, college football was a bigger game than the NFL. The NFL was not, uh, it was not garnering the attention that it is today over college football. And in that era, without question, there was no better coach than Rockney. Rockney invented so much and, and, and trans, he transcended the game of college football. Uh, some might argue that uh, Notre Dame had a lot of other coaches that would cloud what Rockney actually did. You know, Lou Holtz, yeah. when he walked away with his national title uh, and then didn't get it in 93 when Florida State, he beat them and then he lost to Boston College. He said, you know, I don't want to surpass Rockney for all-time wins because he deserves to be uh, the all-time winning as coach. I, I don't think anyone did more in that era than Rockney. Wow. So those would be my that, guys. Uh, that's great. No, and I'm glad because I, especially Notre Dame this year, but Notre Dame, there had to be something I was getting. And look, we, 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 I know there's Woody Hayes and Tom Osborne in the modern So many. Era. Even Urban Meyer, what, what Urban Meyer, and yeah. you would have a sense of this. Urban Meyer, uh, and look, you, we started the CMI Chris Meyer's interview podcast around podcast one with Urban Meyer when we weren't sure where this year was going. I addressed it with him then. Things have changed a little. His name has surfaced, and you're, you're a candid guy at Texas. No disrespect. Yeah. Is any, whether he coaches again or not, uh, his health is a little better. He likes where he is. But do you, do you see that as a, as a possibility? Would that shock you if, if Texas and Urban Meyer, if he became their head coach? Yeah, it really would. Okay. Because I think he's having a blast with us. I, I, I've talked to Urban a little, as I, I, I know you have too. Yeah. It would have to be the perfect job for him. And I don't think Texas fits that bill. Okay. There's a, the reason why Texas has floundered is because there are way too many chiefs that are at the helm <laughs> of that place. Okay. The political bureaucracy at the University of Texas the different layers of that bureaucracy are so immense. Chris, Tom Herman didn't just suddenly fall off the turnip yeah. truck and become a bad coach. Right. He was an outstanding coach before he got there. But the things you have to deal with at that place make it very, very difficult to succeed because the coach can't have the control that he wants. Urban is a lot like Saban okay. in the sense that he wants to have control. Uh, if anything... I think Urban's problems, and I was covering him in the SEC when his health really turned uh, towards the end of that run at Florida. Right. And I think part of the problem for him was his inability to delegate mm -hmm. to the extent that he needed to. He, he micromanaged, and I think it had a, a, a definite impact on his health. And, and his wife, I think, uh, rightly was concerned. I think that's why he got out. When he got back after his sabbatical, his self-imposed sabbatical and went to Ohio State. He started out fresh. He, he had it going. Listen, if Urban were still coaching, I would have put him in the number three hole. Right. That's what I figured. Yeah, I figured you'd I mean, yeah. If he, were, if he yeah. was still coaching, he would have made my top five. You would no have put him up it. there. Okay. Well, that's but, interesting. But he's not. He's not in there right now. But the problem for Urban is unless he has complete control of his destiny, I don't think he can be effective. And at certain places, it's just impossible. And Texas is one of those. I think USC is another. I don't think he'll ever sniff USC because of the issues that that school has had with, with its leadership. From presidents to the different athletic directors, I mean, that's been the problem. And um, schools like that, I think, are off his radar. The one place that he would go, and I don't know if, if Brian Kelly 
uh, is ever going to entertain an NFL job. But if he were to leave and the Notre Dame job came open, that's the place where he would go. Okay. And uh, I think that's the only place in college that he would go. That's interesting. Yeah. And Urban, by the way, uh, terrific, as you said, on the, uh, the Fox big noon kickoff, the college football pregame. I think he's been the best hire. I think, Chris, other than Mike Pereira and, and, and Dean Blandino, I think Urban Meyer is the best hire <laughs> right? our, our guys have made. In the time, in the time ah. certainly I've been there. You've been there a lot longer than me. I, I'm starting my uh, seventh year right now. So I think the guy, he's, he's responsible for bringing our college football to a level of importance that people are now tuning into our studio show even if they're not terribly interested in the game that follows. No, that's a great point. And, yeah, and you and I go back, you know, from our ESPN days and in, in, in different uh, roles mm-hmm. there to when that college game day was struggling. Hey, let's put, take it on the road. Guys mm-hmm. did it. Chris Fowler, they did a great job, the production team behind, and, and say that. I, w- I do want to go back, though, because Urban, that, that's really interesting what you say about, about him. Who would be uh, – give, give me a college coach. We're looking at what Matt Rule is doing in Carolina. We haven't seen the one-loss record show it yet. Give me one or two college coaches currently that you think would ha- would be immediately successful or at least successful in a two-, three-year span going into the NFL. Any oh, I, well, you, you've probably already heard the, the rumblings about potential uh, yes. opportunities for guys like Matt Campbell, right? Uh, the coach at Iowa State that I'm going to have this Saturday. Yeah in a huge game uh, at four o'clock Eastern uh, on Fox, we've got Iowa state, Kansas state. He has, uh, he, he recruited and got that program going from the ground level. Uh, they did not have the kind of year last year that was anticipated. So they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. And they're, they're in a very good position to possibly win the big 12 mm-hmm. uh, because they hold the tiebreaker with Oklahoma. They beat them head to head. Uh, and if they can beat Kansas State and then they get Texas right after that, uh, they're going to be in position to play in the Big 12 title game. And if they win it, I don't know at that point, does Matt feel like he can accomplish much more in Ames than winning a Big 12 title? Because when you you win a Big 12 title in Ames, Iowa, it's a little bit different <laughs> than winning it any other place, certainly bigger than than winning it at Texas or Oklahoma, where it's become – like no big deal. We're, we're supposed to be in the, the college football playoff. It would be uh, New Year's Eve for a long time in Ames if they were to win it. <laughs> and I think then he might be upwardly mobile enough and young enough uh, to take it on. He certainly has NFL pedigree in his, um, in his uh, resume. And I think that they've noticed, you know, his ability to not only develop, but to lead. And because he's a young guy and a humble guy that came up through Division Three at Mount Union, winning a bunch of national championships at that level, uh, his grassroots approach, I think, would be something that a lot of NFL general managers would uh, would like. That's the okay. first and foremost guy that jumps out to me. Good. Now, there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure that more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Question, it's a two-parter. Order of the top four quarterbacks that are 
currently playing college football. And I think we know, we're assuming when Trevor Lawrence is healthy, give me that. And then I want to see if they're the same. If I were to say to you, give me the top four college quarterbacks that in the NFL will be successful. All right. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Top four in college football currently right now. Yeah. uh, And this, you know, some of this may surprise you. Uh, I, I, I really, really like, I mean, (laughs) I think, I think the kid is just destined to be, um, you know, it, Joe Burrow, I think, has proven without question. You know, there are a lot of people that doubted Joe. Yes, yes, that wasn't, uh, yeah. Mean, he, a lot of people yeah. that doubted. And I knew this guy's just, <laughs> he, he was running an NFL offense with Joe Brady at LSU, and they were just blowing people out left right. and right. Who, by the and, way, uh, Tim, by the way, Joe Brady might be a guy, future head coach, right? The guy looking for that yeah. young offensive mind with a quarterback, right? Hey, I mean, don't don't be shocked if he's not hired at South Carolina as a head coach. Yeah, Remember, okay. he's Charlotte is not far from Columbia, South Carolina. Right. It could be a very right. easy move uh, if he wanted to be a head coach in college. Uh, and you're right. He might, if, if, he, if he sold on being an NFL head coach, I'm not so sure that he wouldn't. But after what's happened this year with the Panthers, Maybe his star will fade a little bit with the NFL, but he could reclaim his stardom by going back to college. So keep that in mind. Uh, But look, um, Trevor Lawrence is, he's got all of the requisite tools in terms of his uh, ability to throw the ball and run the ball. His uh, physical attributes are, you know, a combines dream. So he's, he's clearly got to be your number one guy. Justin Fields, in my opinion, is going to have a, a, an approach to the game that will be very similar to uh, either Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray right in between those two, sort of plays the same way. Okay. Uh, so I think you have to look at him as, as your number two guy. There, there are a couple of others that I think people haven't really thought that much about that, that I really believe can be very, very effective. Sam Ellinger gets a lot of love, and he, he deserves it because he really hasn't had a lot of help at Texas. Right. Most people have him well down, say, around the third round uh, for the draft uh, because maybe his size isn't the same as accuracy, isn't necessarily what you'd like to see always. I think sometimes in big game situations, Sam will overthrow some people uh, and not be as accurate. But his toughness cannot be uh, discounted. Uh, I think Ellinger is certainly in the top four or five of, of college football quarterbacks. Right. And, and this young man that I'm going to see Saturday, uh, is Sam Ellinger without the brand? Uh, keep an eye on Brock Purdy uh, okay. from Iowa State. I think he is legit. I think he's a true oh. leader. Uh, he's been running basically a pro-style offense with Matt Campbell. Uh, they run a lot of 12 personnel, you know, with one back and two tight ends. So he understands, you know, that that jump from spread offenses, Chris, you hear it so much from the NFL, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they've never taken a snap from under center or you know all those things. This kid, I think, really gets it. His leadership skills are tremendous. And I think he may have a better future uh, than Ellinger. And, again, I'm talking about a guy that might be a third or, you know, fourth-round right. pick. He's not going to be off the boards, you know, in the first round. But the, the best player playing the position right now who's going to have the greatest ceiling for success in the National Football League is Lincoln Riley's Spencer Rattler. Spencer really? is – I mean, I've never seen anyone throw the ball any better than this kid. Uh, and Lincoln Riley will tell you that he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, but his instincts are better. 
he's he's uh, he's got a lot more Baker Mayfield in his approach, not necessarily the uh, swagger verbally that that Baker had and still does have, but he he plays the position uh, uniquely for a kid that's this young. Now he struggled a little bit in early games, had some turnovers. You know, Lincoln had been pl- uh, coaching guys that had been starters elsewhere from Jalen Hurts. Baker was a transfer. Kyler was a a kid that waited and watched those guys go in front of him. So he was a, these guys were ready to go. This is a true freshman, you know, that's just out of school and getting his, his, his feet wet. And I, I really, Chris, he throws the ball at every angle and he throws it on time with accuracy. And he's also got escapability at, of all the guys I just mentioned, including yeah. Trevor, yes. including Trevor, I think Spencer Rattler is going to be the next big thing right. uh, in the NFL. Wow. He's more he's more Mahomes than any of the other guys I mentioned. Okay, okay? and I, and I saw a lot of Patrick Mahomes at Texas yeah. Tech, yeah, and he, he played hurt half the time because he didn't have a lot of help. But but this kid is I think Rattler is going to be an instant hit, just as uh, both. Mahomes and Kyler Murray have been. Wow. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. Good job with that. Good job with that. Cause you blended it nicely. And I think people are like, Whoa, Hey, there's more to this than you know, everybody, the, the Jags and the Jets fighting for the top pick and, <laughs> and, and Trevor Lawrence. All right. We, we're going to have a little fun with this one. Uh, it's, 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 it's five for finding we call it. Okay. And, and you finish this for me. It's a one word answer. If you can do it or as short as you can. <laughs> Who, me? But, yeah. Not you. I know that, that would be a record in itself. Uh, but there, we got, we got five questions here. And, uh, so here we are. When calling a game, I this is for you, Tim Brando. When calling a game, I can't live without blank. Fill it in. Spotting. Need Spotting. a spotter. <laughs> okay. Spotter. Okay. So so a co-worker. Bender, All right. Gary Bender's son, Brett yes. Bender, is my spotter, and I gotta have him. You know, we had to make that choice, uh, Chris, in, yeah. in college because of social distancing, we had to make a decision as to whether, because our booths are not as big as yours in the NFL. Right. Stats, spotting. We had to make a decision on stats or spotting. And, um, you know, we're we're doing our, our stats remotely now. My, my stats guys in new Orleans, Scotty Alexander, and we're doing it through the virtually. Yeah. But my spotter, my extra pair of eyes, has got to be with me. All right. So that's cool. I, I, here we go. Uh, blank is uh, is the most upsetting thing I see on social media from college football fans. Snark. Well, Just flat out upsetting snark. thing I see. What is it? Snark? Snark. S N A R K. All right. You know, just <laughs> Not let he- me let me light this guy up with snark. Okay. That, and it's like Chris, they're all drunk when they're watching. First they first they're pissed at their play calling. Secondly, they're pissed at the referee. And after you've really gotten toasted into the third quarter, the next best thing to get pissed at, why is that guy so excited the other team scored? Yeah. Right. Well, maybe because the crowd got a little excited and my voice went up a decibel or two. Right. You know, that's our jobs. Right. So snark off. Okay. okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, you know what? I always, I love it when, and of course, Joe Buck, who I've worked with on World Series and Super Bowls yeah. and as a fielder, the, 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 the each side, what they say. But I honestly say we go in as unbiased as human people can be, right? And don't we yeah. always just root? They tease me on my crew because I root for overtime. They're like, Chris, we're going to miss our flights. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I, yeah. That to me is a good game. And then whoever yes, wins, is. wins. You know, yeah, we have people we like. Some coaches, not as much or players. Right. But that really, people should know that. And I, and I know it's passion and they get, they we're, we're a target, but boy, that was a good, that was a good word. All right. So, so just snark, snark, snark off. off. That could be, <laughs> that might be a good way to respond. Uh, here you go, Tim Brando. All right. Blank was the most fun I had working with by my side at some point. I know that's a tough one because you're going to leave people off. But you, when hey. I said most, when I say most fun, that gives you a little opening there. And it can yeah. be a lot of, not that anybody's better than anybody, but you have a good time always because you love what you do. But some guys that you work with, whether it's college hoops or wherever, yeah. you've had some really interesting, entertaining people. Well, I'm going to move to basketball, and he's no longer with us, Al McGuire. Okay. Well, uh, it was okay. such a thrill for me personally to get to work with the great Al McGuire. Uh, you know, uh, Dickenberg, Billy Packer, and Al McGuire were the sound of my youth when it came to college basketball. Yep. Uh, and when, as I was breaking into the business and – when I was at Channel 9 uh, in Baton Rouge and you were at Channel 4 at yeah. WWL in New Orleans, right. um, those were the guys I aspired to be. And, you know, fast forward to 1998, I'm at uh, CBS. Al is in the um, twilight of his career. I get paired to do both weekends, uh, so the regional finals with Al. And I did the SEC championship, the first uh, two rounds of the NCAAs, and then the, 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 uh, the regional finals. So the team that's winning the last game uh, that we call is going to the final four and to be next to Al, uh, as he would say, uh, I would say to Al, um, what would it be like for a 13th seated Valparaiso to win this game and advance to the elite eight? And Al would say, Tim, it's a, it's a, it's like a Rockwell painting. It's perfect. Who else would <laughs> say that? You know, right. who else would right. think of a, a Rockwell painting in real time? Um, and then the game ends. Stanford comes from six down in less than a minute. Mark Mad Dog Madsen with a dunk and a foul and a, an and one. And, you know, two minutes later, we're out on the floor and Al's dancing with the Stanford tree. You know I mean, <laughs> and I'm just, yeah. I'm a, like a kid in a yeah. candy store. Yeah. And I, I, as great as Bill Raftery and Dickie V and all those. Yes, I've, I just I've thought of those. With, yeah. I've worked with all of them. I mean, all of them. Yeah. Al, Al was uh, basketball's was... original flower child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's just, a good way. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he, he was, um, a national treasure, Al McGuire. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and I think they would agree, uh, yeah. the people that you've worked with because he had the passion, the love, but he also, he went outside of it. And as you said earlier, he made it, yeah. whether you cared about the game or not, you, you cared about what he was saying and, yeah. and, and you tuned in to hear, uh, what it was all about. Well, everything that he yeah. said was everything was, that he said, Chris was an original line. Yeah. And they were scripted. He didn't watch any games. <laughs> you know, everybody yeah. else does. It was... Al, Al didn't know. He would come up with names. He would he would say, uh, and a big guy, you know, you had to you had to know all the names when you were working with Al right. because he didn't know any. He did he, he, he had a unique approach. He would get to the trainer or, you know, somebody within the program that was the nerd, and he yeah. would go up to the top during practice and ask him about this guy only dribbles it once at the free throw line and he hits his heart and he'd he'd find out why. So yeah. he had all these unique out-of-the-box stories to tell, and it was just refreshing. You never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. 
Yeah, very entertaining. Al McGuire, we, we missed him. You answered this one already with Spencer Rattler and then at the coaching level, Matt Campbell. Yeah. But I'm going to give you, beyond those two, you can plug in the name. And, and here's the, here it is. It's uh, if okay. blank doesn't become an immediate superstar in the NFL. So give me another name there. Okay. Okay. Hang on. I'm, we always, uh, th- always think quarterback, so it'd be interesting if somebody else no, stood I, out I, to you. I, I want to go um, – yeah, I'm thinking about another. I'm, I'm thinking about another position, and uh, and I think probably uh, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go um, receiver. Okay, but I'm just not sure. There's so there's really a bunch of good ones. It's a, yes. and some that and some that people don't know uh, that much about. I think maybe the most athletic receiver that most of America doesn't know that much about. And you watch when he gets into the league. I think you're going to see, oh, my God, uh, where did this guy come from? Uh, Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace, uh, tremendous, okay. tremendously athletic uh, receiver that just means everything to what Oklahoma State does. He got banged up and couldn't play against Kansas State. I think in the game coming up, Bedlam, uh this week, we'll see. I, I think Tylen Wallace is going to have a big game and make an announcement to the country that he is a major, major player. So keep an eye on him. And I think in the league, he's he's one of these guys that um, could play either the slot or he has the speed to be your guy at the X. You know, he could be the okay. H or the X receiver. So that's that. I'm going to go with that. Oh, good. I like that. All right, outside the box. And then finally here, as we wind things up, if I could take one. This is a tough one because, boy, I hope nobody would ask me this. If I could take one thing back I said while broadcasting, uh, it would be blank. So that's more than one word, but that could be a sentence or a moment. And it, it, it could be humorous. I don't want you to expose any of your, not that you have, have had many of these, but sometimes Chris, we I'm go, gonna, well, I'm going to yeah. go, uh, I'm going to go uh, back to my first ever broadcast. I was 14 years old, 14. 1971 with my dad. Now he was a broadcaster. Your dad. Calling, right? yes. Yeah. Calling Captain Street High School against Neville. I was okay. It was the first job I ever had. Uh, I would watch the first half and do color for my dad. He'd let me get a little lathered up. And then at halftime, we'd switch roles and I would do the play by play and he would do the color. And I had a real problem going to the, I was really quiet on the way to the stadium. Uh, And I was excited. I was ready to do, but I was really quiet. He he picked up on, he said, "Uh, Tim, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, dad, I'm, I'm a little concerned. And he said, okay, well, tell me what is, what are you concerned about? I said, well, I understand I'm only here because I'm your son, but I really don't want to call you dad on the air. And he said, <laughs> he started laughing. I said, can you mind if I call you, you know, by your first name? I don't want to just say dad on the air. He said, no, no, son, I wouldn't expect you to do that. No, you call me hub. Call me by my first name. Well, about, you know, I'm a kid. I'm 14 right. years old. So I don't think I started a sentence without saying, well, you know, hub. Uh, Hub, let me tell you, <laughs> I was so excited to call him something besides dad. So I made this pledge to myself not to say dad on the air, but it's like the third play and they run a double reverse and I'm excited. And I said, yeah, I just blurted it out. Dad, did you see that? And he <laughs> hit me with his shoulder. He hit me with his shoulder right in the gut. And I went, oh, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. We went to the commercial and, and, and out of the commercial break, and, and he said, 
So, so, so you you got it out of the way, huh? You got it out of the way. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. I'm sure the he listeners. He was upset with me for yeah. calling him dad on the air. <laughs> well, that was his broad. That was his broadcast instincts kicking in. Yeah. That is, that, yeah. Then the, the parental instinct. But I'll, I'll bet the people listening, the, or those hearing this, got the biggest kick out of that because you, you know that, that's a that, that's a, that's story. a cool. and and you know what, uh, Chris, that happened in '71. So the the fall of 2021. All right, will be my fiftieth year calling ball, and you remember that, and that helped you right through the years not lose yeah. what what you focused on avoiding or wanting to say. Right, those things. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. Uh, I had uh, such great blessings as a kid, and the people that came through my life. And you know, you and I crossed paths uh, at very early stages of our careers together. You were at Channel Four in New Orleans right. when I was at Channel Nine in Baton Rouge. I went to ESPN before you did. About the time you got there, I was moving home. Right. You talked to me about your move to L.A., and I said, yeah, you've got to get out of Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and, and, and then all of a sudden, here I am following you to Fox a few years later. It's, um, you know, the people and the relationships that are made in our industry, to me, that's what makes this uh, the, best, the best job ever. You know, games are great. Assignments yeah. are wonderful. No, and, and, but the people right, make it great. Right. Right. And we've landed in a good spot. We have really good people around us. And, uh, and I, I appreciate about, uh, I appreciate about you that you've always been a cheer. We were just talking and I know we got to wrap this up, but uh, uh, your wife's birthday, you got to take care of things that are more important <laughs> than us just kind of BSing here, but you always are a cheerleader for people in the sport, no matter the network, the game, whatever. And your comments are, uh, if they are a critique there to make somebody better or awareness. So yeah. uh, I always enjoy it. And we'll, we'll do this again when you and I could just tell stories because I, yeah. I wanted to get right now where college football is and, I, I think people listening love to hear some of the things and how you blend it from your years of experience to where we are now. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do it again. But Tim Brando, I have a good call uh, this, well, every, every weekend that you're out there. And we'll talk again. You take care. Always good seeing you. Well, don't ever change, Chris. Just, <laughs> just re- don't ever change. And you're right. right. We, could do three, we could do three of these just based on our story. <laughs> that, may be, that may be next. And remember, I kid because I care. All right. All right. You, t- you take care. All right. Love you. All right. Tim Brando on CMI. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in a new virtual room. Collaborate live. Building ideas on the same page. And see more of your team on the screen at once. Learn more at Microsoft.com teams.